Hello, everybody. Welcome to Crunch Time with Keegan and the Boys. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Sam Gotzi and Tanner Dislin. Today, we'll name our winner and loser of the episode, break down who's in and who's out in the college football playoff, and even more. Let's get into episode 20 on Crunch Time. Let's start with naming our winner of the episode. Sam, who do we have as the big winner of the weekend? Our winner of the episode's got to be that Ohio State victory over Michigan State. Just pure domination. Ended up winning 56-7. to C.J. Stroud played a nearly perfect game. Uh, had a QBR of 251.7. 32 for 35 for a completion rate of 91.4 thrown for 432 yards and six touchdowns. Just an absolutely dominating performance by the Buckeyes this past weekend. This was the second game in crunch time where I've severely questioned a spread. The first time was Georgia and Arkansas. Uh, Georgia was favored by around 20 or so. And ended up blowing Arkansas out 37 to nothing. And this was another game where I was like, eh, 19 was how much Ohio State was favored by. That feels like too much. No. Uh, in, our, in a group chat that we have among the three of us, we didn't know 50 would be enough. And it was just utter domination for Ohio State and an impressive win in what's probably going to launch Ohio State, in my mind, to second overall ahead of Alabama. But we'll get to that conversation a little bit later. Tanner, what was your take on the Buckeyes? I tell you what, three teams won by 49 points on Saturday. It was Georgia over Charleston Southern. It was Texas A&M over Prairie View A&M. And then Ohio State over the seventh-ranked Michigan State Spartans. So one of these things was not like the other, and it was just an absolute domination of a good football team. Nothing more can be said here. Moving the ball at will. No sign of life anywhere for Michigan State. So Ohio State really, really turned the gas on and showed how good they can be. And I completely agree with Yuki. And I think this catapults them up to number two and barring catastrophe the rest of the year, probably put Ohio State in that number two spot for the playoffs. There are a few key games that are going to be shaking up the college football playoff. We'll get to that a little bit later. Let's talk about our loser of the episode. Tanner, we're going to throw it to you. Who do we have as the loser of the weekend? Right now, I mean, looking how everything's going, it's got to be the Buffalo Bills. What is going on? Not too long ago, we had a, a judgment segment where we were talking about who was the Super Bowl favorite, and the prevailing argument was the Bills. They were absolutely dominant. It was right after the game where they took it to the Chiefs in Kansas City. They were beating teams by 20, 40 points. That point differential was almost triple the next highest. But they've started to come back to earth in, in some really puzzling losses. Um, most notably, of course, the Jaguars. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The Jaguars uh, ended up beating the Bills. But now this past performance against the Colts, giving up 41 points, that defense has kind of been the, the focal point for this Bills defense and this Bills success and, and allowing Jonathan Taylor to run all over them all day. I mean, what, five total touchdowns? He was in the conversation to be our winner for this week. But with all that being said, you've now lost the lead of your division after you kind of we kind of dubbed this the Bills era now that Tom Brady had left New England. This year where, where Kansas City had early year struggles and, and you could solidify that one spot and have the road to the Super Bowl and the AFC go through Buffalo – it's it's starting to skid a little bit, which is certainly troubling. Like I said, 
when it, it seemed like this was the year for Buffalo and New England's turning it on, could be could be getting pretty scary here. If we look at what the Bills' wins are, they've beat the Dolphins twice, the Washington football team, the Texans, and the Jets. Those are their wins outside of beating Kansas City in Kansas City when the Chiefs were really struggling. That was not the same Chiefs team as we're starting to see in these last two weeks. Kansas City is starting to get over the Super Bowl slump, and they're starting to get back into form. But I'm starting to question what this Buffalo Bills team really is because all of their wins have been against very much subpar teams. So when we were talking about them having the best offense and the best defensive performances of the season in the first few weeks, you start to question, is that the Bills or is that just how bad their opponents were? Because from what we're seeing right now, Jonathan Taylor getting five touchdowns on that best defense that we saw at the beginning of the season, that best defense got shredded by one guy. It's not going to be Carson Wentz going out there and beating you over the air. It was Jonathan Taylor destroying you. And he just did the same thing over and over. And you couldn't do a damn thing about it. I don't know what's going on with Buffalo. And now they're losing the division to Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. You know, Tom Brady 2.0 in New England has taken back over. Get ready for 20 more years of Bill Belichick in New England. This does not look good for Buffalo. Not, not at all. And one of the things we talked about was not only were they beating teams by a lot, but like you said, that number one offense and that number one defense. These two losses that we've circled in, in Indianapolis and, and Jacksonville, you score six against Jacksonville. That's the, the number one offense we were talking about, scoring six. You score 15. I mean, I know Indianapolis is a much better defense than Jacksonville, but you only score 15 and give up 41, as you said, and five touchdowns to one player who can only really only run. Like that's what he did. He just ran all over you. So they got to figure something out because right now it is not looking good. And now, now they got to, they got to travel to some hostile environments in in the AFC playoffs. If they even get there at this point, which I'm sure they will, but yeah, they, they got some stuff to figure out. I I am. They're definitely going to make the playoffs at the very least. In my mind, they're still the favorite to win the division because I feel like they have the most talent and, Mac Jones and the Patriots, they've also gone up against, they've also had a bit of a weak schedule up to date. The next couple of games, they play the Bills twice, but they also play the Titans, which by the way, let's not leave the Titans out of this. What the heck happened to you? Because uh-huh. the, the Titans lost to the Texans 22 to 13. And I know they're without Derrick Henry, but they've proven that they can win against great teams being the Rams, but they do play the Titans next week. They play the Bills twice. And they also play the Colts, who just dog-walked the Bills. So the Colts might be a team that's coming in to play an AFC wildcard team. It's a long shot for Indianapolis to catch up to the Titans for that uh, division. But if if the Titans play the way they played against the Texans, it's totally it's not out of reach if that's the Titans that are the real Titans without Derrick Henry. So the Patriots, they're going to be able to prove themselves in the next four weeks, whether they are for real for a division winner, Super Bowl contender, or – Otherwise, yeah, and to your point, kind of looking at, at the way the, the Bills finish out here, they do have those two games remaining against the Patriots, which, of course, right now are of utmost importance. But in there, they also have a game against the Buccaneers. So they got to they got to go down to Raymond James and play Tom Brady and co. The rest of the games look pretty look pretty. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to say easy because I thought Jacksonville would be easy. But, you know, games where the Bills are going to be favored. With those conversations being said about 
the Colts, the Bills, Texans, Titans, and we threw in the Patriots as well. Let's bring, unfortunately for me, let's bring another game into the forefront of the conversation, and that would be the Packers and the Vikings. Last episode, I joked about the Packers and the Vikings not being a real rivalry. And of course, it is very much a very real rivalry. But my bad to even joke about it because the football gods immediately struck me down. Tanner talked about this being an emotional hedge for him. But, you know, he went on to say that he feels like the, t- the Packers are definitely the better team. And I said, I don't even need an emotional hedge. That's how confident I am in Green Bay. And look at what happened. So, Tanner, let's go to you first. Let me hear it. The Vikings won 34 to 31. What have I said since the beginning of time? Justin (laughs) freaking Jefferson. Get him the football. And what happened? 169 yards, two touchdowns, and including the one of the biggest touchdowns of the game. Of course, it was answered by uh, Aaron Rodgers in all of about 30 seconds. But for Minnesota, went after – after the Packers had just taken the lead, being able to lead that drive and a play where Green Bay brought a ton of pressure, including an unblocked cornerback uh, off the edge, and and Cousins realized and said, Justin Jefferson is that good. I'm just going to throw it up. And what did he do? He went and got it and scored that touchdown. So I, I was just overall impressed with, with Minnesota's offensive game plan defensively. In the beginning, it, it was good. Struggled to come up with stops towards the end of the game, but it's very hard to lead and to stop an Aaron Rodgers-led offense for for four quarters. But overall, I, I was very impressed with Minnesota. I thought it was a definitely a much needed win. Kind of debating with myself on whether I want to buy back in here because the fact of the matter is with this win and the other teams that lost Minnesota jumped up into that, into that six, uh, six seed with the thick of that schedule that I was talking about in Baltimore, the chargers, the Packers, the Cowboys, all those games are done. Now you still got a, you still got a couple against the bears. And I think you have one against the LA Rams, but, and, and one more against the Packers, but compared to the stretch you just went through, it, it's, it's not looking as tough holding that six seed, starting to play better football, being more aggressive, being more aggressive. It might be time to buy back in for, for Minnesota fans. The Vikings were very impressive with their offensive performance throughout the game. For me, there are three key things that I saw from the Green Bay perspective. The inability to take advantage of opportunities when you have them. There was an interception by Darnell Savage in the first half that was negated by uh, Kingsley Kiki hitting Kirk Cousins, like just, just grabbing his helmet and just bang, just give him a good old headbutt. He's like, he's like, yeah, you can't do that. That's rough in the passer. Yeah, that's very much legal. Later on, much later on the last drive when the Vikings went down the field to kick a field goal to win the game, uh, Darnell Savage had interception. He had control as he was going to the ground, but then his arm hit the ground and he no longer had control. The rules state that you have to have control, you know, as you're beginning to go through that process of making it to the ground. And it looked like he had it right at the beginning, I'm sure, but I'm sure it, Packers yeah, fans know that was, rule all too well. Oh, very much so. And so that's one. The, the defense did not take advantage of opportunities when it came up. The offensive line struggled big time in the first in the first half, especially. 
Rodgers and that offense did not have a lot of time to wait for plays to develop. And because of that, Rodgers had to get the ball out faster than he wanted to because of the lack of time that they had in the pocket. And which that was, you know, that's a, a credit to the Vikings defenders up front. And the last thing, special teams. Now, you know, Green Bay didn't, you know, fumble uh, a punt return like they did against Kansas City. But uh, on the first drive of the game, Mason Crosby hit like a a 50-some, I think it was a 51-yard field goal. But then he has a field goal that's closer than it would have been if it was an extra point. An extra point would have been further back from where this field goal was. And he doinks it directly off the upright. That's three points that they could have had. And the Packers ended up losing this game by three. You know, you can't play that game of give us three here and the game plays out exactly the way that it would. You can't play that game. That's not how that works. But it's really hard to see that, see the end result. And knowing that Aaron Rodgers went 10 for 11 for 197 yards in that second half, seeing how well the Green Bay Packers came back out in the second half, it just makes you wonder what would have happened to this game if it didn't take so long for Green Bay's offense to really start going, and you had that three points back. It was a it was a hard pill to swallow for Green Bay Packers fans. Should have had turnovers. That's really what it boiled down to. Some of them just kind of freak things, like hitting the quarterback in the head or straight up dropping it. Um, there was an, another time where they got home to Kirk Cousins and, and forced a fumble that bounced right to Christian Derrissaw, and he was able to, to hop on it and – keep possession to Minnesota. And then another one on, on a punt where uh, D.D. Westbrook was kind of retreating and went right through his hands, but happened to bounce right back up to him, which was incredibly fortunate for, for Minnesota. But one more thing I'd like to draw attention to was not only was this an incredibly fun game to watch, but really great quarterback play. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I know these throws we're talking about that probably should have been intercepted, but still overall played, played a really good game in a game Minnesota really needed. But two people... Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams were vintage today. Put on a cl- clinic on how to play the wide receiver position. Jefferson going up and getting contested balls. Devontae Adams with one of the most disgusting routes in that touchdown that put Green Bay ahead in the game. He he kind of uh, faked the comeback and then bolted to the corner. McK- Mackenzie Alexander bit so hard, and uh, Devontae was wide, wide open in the back of the end zone. So really a clinic on how to play the wide receiver position. But Justin Jefferson's team was able to, to edge it out. And finally, finally, not only did they take my advice by being more aggressive, if you remember a couple episodes back, it was right after Green Bay played San Francisco. And I said, please stop leaving so much time. <laughs> yeah. Mike Zimmer, you listened to me. You didn't. And I would have, I would have honestly rather go for that kick. And if he misses it, go to overtime and give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with in, in regulation in any capacity. So I got to be fair. I'm on him when I don't think he coaches well. I think he, this was a well-coached game, and it, it showed in the scoreline. Sam, we haven't heard a ton from you here. You were someone that was rooting for the tie in this one. I want to know, when it was 31 apiece, when Green Bay scored on one play after the Vikings scored and got that two-point conversion to, to go up a solid seven, what were your thoughts on that whole situation when you predicted a tie just talk about your experience feeling so close to that actually happening. Yeah, honestly, when uh, it's late in the fourth, Dalvin Cook uh, actually did, just dropped to ground um, with a couple seconds remaining to set that game-winning field goal. I really thought the Vikings were going to miss it. 
due to their past history of <laughs> kicking game-winning field goals. <laughs> but, of course, they did knock it. And that, honestly, that was a great uh, move by Dalvin Cook because he would have given Aaron Rodgers just enough time to potentially uh, have a game-winning drive. But honestly, as a neutral um, viewer, it was a great game to watch. But, yeah, it was fun to watch. I think the Packers started out super stagnant on the offensive end in the first half, and I think that's kind of what ended up costing them in this game. But a quality win for the Vikings is a bigger win for the Vikings, in my opinion, than it was as a big loss to – the Packers but yeah. great game overall definitely agreed there this was a massive win for yeah this was a massive win for Minnesota it as it currently stands <laughs> even with the loss for Green Bay they're still the second seed in the NFC and the team that's above them with Arizona Cardinals the Packers have the tiebreaker over Green Bay just needs Arizona to drop one more game and just like that they're tied again with Green Bay having the hedge but the one thing you can't forget is that the Minnesota Vikings, with the way this game played out, they did deserve to win this football game. The Packers did not play as complete of a game as the Vikings did. And had they won, we would be talking about another Vikings meltdown instead of a Packers win. So this was about Minnesota getting this thing done. And the Packers gave a good fight, but Minnesota played the more complete game all around. Uh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. We thought that this game was going to end up being kind of like what we saw with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the L.A. Chargers, where that game ended up being on a score of 41 to 37, it was, between the Chargers and the Steelers. This game ended up being Kansas City 19 and the Dallas Cowboys 9. This was not a score that any of us expected in this one. We thought it was going to be op- offenses dueling. We talked about how these are two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. But no, it was the defenses that came to play. Sam, what was your big takeaway from this game? I think uh, injuries hurt the Cowboys in this one. Before kickoff, Amari Cooper was cut from playing. And then uh, during the first half, C.D. Lamb getting that concussion. Two of their biggest playmakers on offense getting hurt, obviously, is a detrimental to a high-power offense like the Cowboys. So I think if those players play, I think we're looking at a totally different game. But like you said, we expect a shootout. Can't take away from either defense, even on the Cowboys side, giving up only 19 to the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs, obviously, we were like, oh, the Cowboys are going to throw all over them, run all over them, and they only let the Cowboys get uh, scored nine points. So defense uh, surprised me a lot in this game. I think that's well said. You mentioned uh, you mentioned injuries. This is the last thing I'll say about the Vikings-Packers officially. I didn't say a single thing about injuries, that entire thing. So you got to give me a pat on the back for that this one. clapping for Keegan. I was like, pat on the back for that one. So I didn't much. talk about injuries the entire time. I was waiting, but, though. I was no, waiting I know, to I know bring you up were. the Jenkins injury. I was saying, I didn't bring it up. I was like, <laughs> best, best of luck to Jenkins and getting back healthy. You know, they think he tore his ACL. Best of luck to him. Back to this game. It was really impressive for me when we talked about in the previous weeks with Kansas City and whether they were back or not. 
I said that they were back and that I was confident that their offense was going to be able to carry them to wins. And their defense just wasn't the worst defense we'd ever seen for Kansas City. Because when you look at it, the way this defense was playing earlier in the year, this was one of the worst defensive performances at the start of the season that anyone has ever seen ever. It was that bad. Statistics were not looking good for this defense. They held the Raiders to 14 points, which is much lower than what they normally do. And then to hold the Cowboys to nine. Sure, Patrick Mahomes, that offense is what it is. It's, it has the potential to be one of the best offenses in the league. But for that defense to be coming back online, if this isn't the defense just getting hot, if this is what the defense actually is, we're talking about Kansas City being a Super Bowl contender once again. Not that they weren't, but a realistic contender. Kansas City is officially back. Kind of looking through this and what happened here, my main focus is on that Cowboys offense um, because I think you can take any Cowboys fan and tell them, in this game, you're going to hold Kansas City in a 19. Every single Cowboys fan would not only sign up for it, but be pretty confident they win this game. Just looking at the box score here, I mean, nine carries for Zeke, only seven carries for Tony Pollard. Um, your leading wide receiver was Dalton Schultz. I mean, he, he's a good tight end, don't get me wrong. But uh, even though Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are out, you still got guys like Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson who, who are pretty good playmakers and, and dynamic on on the edge not really being able to get the ball to them although i did notice a lot of drops um which i think is, is yeah. more is certainly more of a slight on that cowboys offense than a, a praise for that chiefs defense kind of wondering what exactly w- didn't click here because even without amari cooper and cd lamb i still think this dallas cowboys offense is equipped to score more than nine points yeah. on this chiefs defense so it's certainly a little bit of a cause for concern, only running the ball 16 times like compared to Dak throwing it 43 times with that backfield and that offensive line, I, I don't really get. So I wonder if it was if, if Mike McCarthy and, and Kellen Moore need to go back to the drawing board or, or what exactly the rationale was behind there. But it, it certainly is a little bit concerning, although if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm, I'm sure you're not putting too much stock into this. As we said, the talent on Kansas City is is crazy. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to beat a team like this, especially on the road. And I think the, the noisiest outdoor stadium in the NFL, like I said, just just a little perplexing, but Dallas will be fine. Yeah, I, I didn't realize they only ran the ball 16. You think they'd give it to one of the best backfields with Elliott and Pollard. Uh, with CD and Amari Cooper out, it doesn't really yeah, make I, sense. Yeah, not really to me either. Yeah, yeah, you wonder if they got away from their game plan. Uh, yeah, I don't get why you only run the ball 16 times. You said it yourself, Sam, that's one of the best running backfields in the NFL, and you only give that backfield 16 attempts. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense against the Kansas City defense. As the end of the college football season is approaching, the college football playoff is starting to come into form. This past week, there were a few games that could really affect where teams will end up placing in the final college football playoff ranking. A few of the games that were of interest in this past week, Alabama beat Arkansas by seven, not as much as we expected, but they still got it done. Unlike Oregon, who was ranked third, they got their doors blown off by Utah, 38-7. to 7. 
Another game that we didn't expect to be as big of a difference as it was, we talked about earlier, Ohio State winning 56-7 to over then-ranked 7th Michigan State. We'll have to wait and see how high Ohio State moves. Some other games that were of note in this one, Notre Dame won big. They're currently ranked 8th. Oklahoma State also won rather handedly. They are currently ranked ninth. And Oklahoma, a very much a long shot in this situation, currently ranked 13th, but they did get a close win on the road in Ames over Iowa State by seven. So with things starting to change, there's a lot of chaos in this past week. What are things looking like for you guys as the college football playoff is really starting to come into form? Chaos. Just pure chaos is what's going on here. A notable game that I think has a bigger impact than some people uh, think is that Arkansas-Bama game. I, as a Arkansas fan, I expected us to get blown to pieces, kind of like Georgia did with um, Arkansas earlier in the year, but only beating them by seven and after some controversial uh, spots on the Arkansas side, it's just a little concerning. It, the biggest question is if Bama loses the SEC championship to Georgia, will they still be in? And that's the biggest question. To that point, I think a lot of people are, are obviously looking at this Oregon loss as, as the, the biggest the biggest game for Cincinnati this week because it officially eliminated Oregon and eliminating an entire conference in, in the Pac-12. But I kind of agree with you, Sam, here that Alabama kind of struggling a little bit with Arkansas is is just as impactful for Cincinnati, right? Because the, the way you just said, will they put in a two-loss Alabama? If they do, guess who's probably on their way out? A team like Cincinnati. So showing a showing a more human side of Alabama and putting together an interesting measuring stick thus far as both playing Arkansas – Georgia took it to Arkansas and pounded them easily. Alabama struggled a little bit. It's just going to be just so interesting to see how the committee puts together these teams because right now these these fringe teams would be a, a potential two-loss Alabama because we all agree that if Alabama beats Georgia, both are in, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I don't know how you keep either of them out. So, so a potential two-loss Alabama, a potential one-loss Big 12 champion in Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, who neither have been entirely impressive and are ranked as such as at 9 and 13. A one-loss Notre Dame who lost to undefeated Cincinnati. So all those teams competing for two spots, because at this point I think we're assuming that Georgia's in and Ohio State's in because we think Ohio State's going to win out. How would they rank those four teams? Because I certainly wouldn't want to have that job because <laughs> it is as difficult as it comes. We, we've talked about the dominance of Georgia and how the, the, the presumption is definitely that Georgia will beat Bama in the SEC championship game. I think I might like to call your attention just to the strength of the schedule that Georgia has gone up against this year. The two best teams that Georgia has played has been that of Arkansas and Clemson, maybe Kentucky, maybe Auburn. They beat everybody by such a large margin, except for Clemson at the very beginning of the season. Everybody else just wiped the floor with them. So there's definitely something that has to be said for, you know, you only play your schedule and you beat them by quite a large margin. I fear for Cincinnati from the perspective of what happens if Alabama beats Georgia. In that scenario, you know, what happens with Cincinnati? They, they could go undefeated and they could miss out. That They do not have control of their destiny. They need help. 
when we talk about chaos, that Georgia-Alabama game is going to be one of the biggest games of the season. Another big one is going to be Ohio State-Michigan because what happens if Michigan beats Ohio State and Michigan wins the Big Ten Championship? That probably puts Michigan in. And so there's also this conversation of a two-loss Ohio State. What do you do with that team? Where Ohio State's only two losses are a close loss against Oregon and a close loss against Michigan. Those are two quote-unquote good losses. Chaos is totally possible, and I would even say probable with what's going to be happening through the rest of the season. I do kind of want to draw draw attention back. I mean, I'm look, kind of also looking at this Alabama schedule. Doesn't look all that difficult to me either. I mean, give you the, the Ole Miss win that, you know, they, they handled Ole Miss by three touchdowns. You look and they, they played Arkansas and so did Georgia and advantage Georgia there. They played a good Texas A&M team and lost the other ranked wins here. There really isn't any. And then struggling with Florida, who we saw what happened to them and they are now head coaching vacancy, uh-huh. struggling with LSU at home. And you saw what the turmoil that they went through this year and then struggling with Arkansas, a team that Georgia completely handled at home. How, how impressive has Alabama been, really? December 4th, mark your calendars, everybody. Georgia, Alabama, the one we have been waiting for all year long. And, mm-hmm. and if you're Cincinnati, you're watching that game with the closest of interest. Cincinnati, so, so what's best case scenario for Cincinnati is just a Georgia thrashing, right? And, and Georgia just absolutely blowing the doors off Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. I think yeah. if it's even close, I think Alabama gets in. And since he's looking on the outside looking in. I don't know if I would say outside looking in because there are four teams that are making it in. Let's say the college football playoff does something that they've never done before and they put in a two-loss team. They could probably do it to Alabama if they really wanted to. So Georgia, Alabama, say Ohio State beats Michigan and then wins in the Big Ten championship game. So then you're looking at, is it Cincinnati? Is it Notre Dame? Is it Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State's going to play Oklahoma uh, this next week. And then they're going to play in the Big Ten, cha- I mean, the Big 12 championship game. So that's a possibility for two ranked wins. Are we talking about Oklahoma State over an, un- an undefeated champion in Cincinnati? Are we talking about Notre Dame who lost to Cincinnati? As long as Cincinnati wins out, I am of the opinion that they deserve to be in. And, and I think that I, they will be in if they win out. I am too, but... I don't think the committee is on the same page, unfortunately. I just – we've seen it in the past. Um, I don't know. It's they. It's going to come down to this Bama-Georgia SEC and, in all reality. We talk about this Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. What? How do they view these, these teams? Because obviously their current ranking is not very high. But there's the potential for two more ranked wins, as you said. And just scores aside – Oklahoma has one loss at a ranked top 10 opponent. That is a, as you said, good loss. You look at Oklahoma state, they have one loss on the road against the team that was ranked preseason top 10. I know they're not there now, but this shows how much like the talent that this team had all along, right? Mm-hmm. Another, another game. That's not a terrible loss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you, you know, you, you have these resumes that aren't bad. And then you add two more ranked wins for, for one of these teams. I think I'm leaning to Oklahoma, but I would not be surprised if Oklahoma state comes out 
and wins them both. If Oklahoma wins both these games and is your Big 12 champion with one loss at Baylor, do you think you think Cincinnati is more deserving than that team? I do, because this is the team that struggled against Kansas. This is the team that struggled all year long against teams that they shouldn't have. Simply put, I just don't think that Oklahoma deserves to be in. They, they needed this supersized, big second-half comeback to beat Texas, who is currently going through a six-game losing streak that's the worst. You have to go back to the 1950s. You know, they barely beat Kansas. They needed a play I, that shouldn't have even I happened in the first place. But this is a Cincinnati team who struggled with Tulsa. And Tulsa had the ball at the one-yard line in the fourth quarter and needed a miracle stop there. This is a team that struggled with Navy. Navy. Mm-hmm. This is a Cincinnati team that struggled with Indiana, who's 2-9 and nine currently. 2-9 and nine and 0-8 oh in the Big Ten. Cincinnati has not, that been impress- has not been that impressive. And everyone just sees the win against Notre Dame, which, yes, huge win. I'm not taking anything away from that win at South Bend. Completely agree. But they played nobody beyond that. And they're struggling with these bad teams, similar to Oklahoma. And you pit pit Navy against Texas. Who do you think is winning? I know we like to meme Texas, but I I think Texas would win that game pretty handy. I I don't know, man. Texas lost to Kansas. I think think it's a tie. Yeah, it's a tie in college tie. football. It's like I know um, you can't. I know you can't tie college football, but uh, yeah, I'm not some, sure. Someone can't, like West yeah. Virginia or Kansas State against Navy, uh-huh. against Tulsa. I mean, it's like you can you, you know you can play that game of like you know, you know all day because you know you can bring up Kansas and if Cincinnati goes undefeated, wins their championship, and they don't get in, it's the funeral of the four team playoff. But I just don't – you said you could play that game all day when that game is your literal argument. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is – you can play this game all day. But the fact is, mm-hmm. Oklahoma – like, I think the Oklahoma resume and having a top 10 loss on the road is better than playing basically mm-hmm. nobody. I think Oklahoma getting in would be bad for college football. I think this is a team that struggled all year long – and we're just getting the same thing that we've gotten for the last few years. What's going to happen if Oklahoma makes it as the four? They're going to get dog walked by Georgia. And, like Cincinnati. We, yeah, and Cincinnati won't? Like, no, no, that's not the argument I'm saying. That we've seen this before with Oklahoma. They're going to get dog walked. They're going to lose. I want to see something different. We've seen the same song and dance with Oklahoma before. But this is the worst Oklahoma team that we've seen in recent years. This is an Oklahoma team that's like going undefeated or something that's, you know, solidly beating their schedule and making it to the Godfall playoff. This is is an Oklahoma Oklahoma team that struggled, even if they do have the better resume. They have the advantage of being in a better conference. uh, Cincinnati is moving to a better conference to try to, you know, accommodate for the Godfall playoff, who clearly has a bias for the Power Five. I said, I, I just want to see Cincinnati in there instead, because I, there are certain teams that could go undefeated and just wouldn't have a chance to make it in. And I'm sick of seeing that. I'm sick of seeing the same teams. It's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Auburn a few years ago, Clemson, Ohio state, and then Oklahoma. I thought you can count on just your two hands. The amount of teams that have made it to the college football playoffs since it was started. You get four teams every year, and majority of the time, it's the same two, three, maybe even four teams every single year, just reshaped in a different order, 
I want to see something new. I, I guess I understand that. But when you look at what's bad for college football are lopsided playoff games. And the, the teams that are different than those teams that you mentioned making it, Washington made it a couple of years ago, one of the worst games of the playoff. They got absolutely thrashed. Almost felt bad for Washington that they were forced to play this game. Michigan State, another team, got absolutely thrashed. Notre Dame, another team. And, and, it, and it's just not a good product when you're putting an inferior team against one of the against because they're going to be in that number four spot against the best team in college football and they're getting absolutely thrashed which team are we going to see get thrashed by georgia do we want to see a new team get in there and have a chance and eventually lose or are we going to see the same old same old and have a team get in that's gotten in before that's had the opportunity but fell short time and time again i want to see a new team have the opportunity to fall short i think that's where i'm coming from i just want to see a new team have that opportunity. I, I don't disagree with you, but in this conversation of falling short, I mean, Oklahoma and Georgia a few years back went to overtime. Oklahoma playing this game will make it a closer game than Cincinnati playing this game. And that is my argument here. And that's and it's been shown in the past that that is true. I mean, Cincinnati is a program that's been trying to make it in. This is the second year now that they're trying to make it in with that type of schedule. They're changing to a new conference to try and help their situation. To the Big to 12? To the Big 12 without We're talking Oklahoma about Oklahoma, who's Texas. in the Big 12. What do you mean in the Big 12? Oklahoma's in the Big Cincinnati 12. Cincinnati is going to Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas. That okay, they're... massively decreases the fact that Big 12 is a competent conference with I don't... those two teams leaving. You I don't cannot think... tell me Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas is what was the better second you just said? than American. Texas, well, I'd still take them over any American team other than Cincinnati. In terms of a program, I'm sure there are other teams that are better in the American Conference right now than Texas. I'm sure of it. I'm not sure losing Texas is that big of a deal for the SEC. Sure, there, I mean, uh, for the Big 12, sure, there's all the money that comes from the boosters and whatnot. But this, this conversation is proof why we need an expanded playoff. I think that's something we can all agree on here. Yeah, but definitely. You're saying that Cincinnati is joining the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's what you need to do. You need to, play a, you need to play a schedule where you play other Power 5 teams. Like, the fact that they didn't do that sooner is why they're not in right now. Like, I, yeah, that's what they're doing, but that's what you need to do because the fact of the matter is, in, in, with so many college football teams and only four make it, you can't have any room for a week schedule. Yeah, basically what this is going to come down to is do you take a undefeated Cincy winning the American or do you take right. a one-loss Oklahoma Power 5 uh, Big 12 championship? That's what this is going to come down to. If, if they put the, the, the Big 12 over Cincinnati, as we just learned, I'm okay with that. But Apparently Notre, so. Notre Dame over Cincinnati, I, I, I think college football fans all over will riot. It's just a lot of interesting teams, most notably a two-loss Bama, a potential one-loss Big 12 champion, undefeated Cincinnati. How do they rank those three? Circling back to that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State debacle. So if Oklahoma wins against Oklahoma State, it's a rematch. If Oklahoma loses 
and Baylor loses, it's still going to be a rematch between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But if OU loses to Oklahoma State and Baylor beats Texas Tech, the Big 12 title game will be Oklahoma State versus Baylor. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. crazy. I love it. Like- Cincinnati are big Oklahoma State fans this weekend and then Baylor fans the week after that just to to completely eliminate that conference no kidding god imagine if Oregon won last week what that's adding another layer to this chaos Uh yeah Uh because if 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 Oregon had won out and they were the uh, one loss Pac-12 champ we're talking about potentially eight teams that have a viable you know, argument because we'd have playoffs. Because, <laughs> like, you know, we'd be talking about Georgia and Bama, Cincinnati and uh, Oregon, Ohio State, assuming that they went out and, you know, we don't have a Michigan Big 12 champ. I mean, Big 10 champ. O- Oklahoma State, <laughs> Notre Dame. It's crazy that Oklahoma is ranked 13th and there's still a chance they get in. That's literally absurd. Thank God I'm not on this committee. That's all I gotta say. I'd love to be on the committee so I can put in Cincinnati. I don't know. I do think Cincy is deserving of a spot. Yeah. If they went out, they did what the committee said. Mm -hmm. They got better opponents given some of them weren't good in the end, but they were good. And it just sucks. It sucks. Because, I mean, Cincinnati, they did everything they were supposed to do. Because you're right, they, they scheduled, you know, they scheduled better teams against, uh, you know, against Notre Dame. And they got Indiana, who all of us thought from the beginning <laughs> of the season was going to be a good opponent, but turned out to not be at all. And, you know, they still, they still beat both Notre Dame and Indiana by double digits. If, if they went out, I think the whole Oklahoma-Cincinnati, I think it boils down to deserve not who's the best team, because I I can't make the argument that I think that Cincinnati is straight up the better team than Oklahoma. I don't know that one team is better than the other, because we, we would need a game to find that out. Uh, on paper, though, Oklahoma is certainly the more talented team. But that whole argument, I think it boils down to who's more deserving in my mind. And, you know, a Cincinnati team that has been a great program on the rise in a non-Power 5 conference, like just finally give some non-Power 5 school just the chance to get in. I think it'd be good for the sport. I just want, just want to throw out one more question there. Oklahoma lost to Baylor. If Oklahoma had won that game in similarly yeah. unimpressive fashion, does that, I mean, does an undefeated but – unimpressive Oklahoma change your mind it makes that conversation even more difficult I see. I think in that in that situation Oklahoma was ranked eighth at the time uh, when they lost to Baylor had they had that win against I believe a top 15 team at the time in Baylor they would have moved up a few spots and they would have been on Cincinnati's heels if the if the Cosmo playoff committee didn't even put them ahead of Cincinnati in that scenario, they're an undefeated Power Five champ. Yeah, and Cincinnati just needs to count their blessings that that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 both do not have undefeated champions. ACC. 
Yeah, and and, and the and SEC the fa- and the fact yeah. that two Power Five conferences are already eliminated right now in the ACC and Pac-12. Any other year, unfortunately, it's another you know UCF situation. Cincinnati of last year, just not enough. Moving forward here, the rest of the regular season, and as we get closer to the championships for each conference, and ultimately the college football playoff. I can't wait for you know this uh, this Buckeyes Wolverines matchup. No one's using the letter M in Columbus this week. <laughs> so it's going to be, that's going to be a good one. And there are going to be a lot of good ones. Do we have anything else we want to throw out there before we wrap up the episode? Just a fun time. I'm, I'm excited to see how all this chaos plays out. A lot of questions are still up in the air, but as a college football fan, you can't ask for anything better. Yeah, and I guess while having these debates and conversations are fun, you know what's more fun? Not having these debates and just expanding the damn playoff. <laughs> that is more fun. No kidding. So yeah. expand the playoff. That is something that we all agree on. And having an expanded playoff, that would be a lot of fun. And give more opportunities, for more teams to get in there. That's something that everybody wants to see. But that wraps it up for episode 20. Make sure to throw us a follow on Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at crunchtime underscore pod. The clock has run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.